Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. I'm Ellen. And I'm Yvette. This week we're talking to Laura Pearson-Smith all about OCD and how she learned that she had OCD in the first place, how she deals with it now and how it affects her life day to day. But before we do that, let's have a quick old listen to our show last week. So hypnotherapy is a very natural process whereby the conscious mind quietens down so you just get more relaxed. Sometimes it feels like you go kind of inside yourself a little bit, you kind of go deeper into your own mind and it feels very relaxing it's a bit like meditation if you meditate it might feel like that it's a bit like zoning out in front of the tv where you're kind of half half watching the program you're half kind of dozing it can feel a bit like that um but you're in control the whole time you could get up and leave if you wanted to you could you know open your eyes if you wanted to you can move it's not this kind of sinister thing so to hear more episodes like that please subscribe now, back to Laura. Her OCD has affected her job and her relationship with her mum. When did you start first experiencing mental health issues? In hindsight now, looking back, probably as early as eight. But when I actually really started to notice that something was wrong, um, about um, 20, 19, 20... And what made you realise something was wrong? Um, I basically just completely freaked out one day, I think. Um, I'd gone on holiday with my parents to Canada and America and I was just sitting um, by a lake one day and suddenly I thought, what if I murdered someone and buried them in the back garden? 
And then I said that, well, I thought about it for a day or something before I said to my mum and dad, well, I'm worried I've murdered someone and buried them in the back garden. And um, it sounds funny, but obviously it isn't because you're terrified at the time. Um, and they said, don't be stupid. You yeah. can't have murdered someone and buried them in the back garden. And it just wouldn't go away. It just stuck. It was just like a tyre stuck in mud and it was just like treading the mud and it just wouldn't go away. And I, I would ask like a hundred questions that how do you know what if it could have happened then? What if it could have happened then? What if I'd stuck the patch of slabs back down and you wouldn't know and what? And went through all the different scenarios until I'd eventually thought that I'd gained some kind of peace with it that day. And then, but you only gain peace for about 10 minutes or something yeah. or an hour if you're very, very lucky. And then it just starts again you think up a new thing that you're worried that you might have done so it kind of started like that and when I was away from home it was really extra scary because I had no no way to check if you know what I mean yeah um, so I was just terrified constantly that there was someone buried under the pattern that I'd forgotten about it and that I could have done it like. was it always that specific obsessive thought always murder? no that was the very first one that just kind of literally just suddenly just popped up from nowhere it was really scary and I just kind of remember just howling the whole rest of the holiday but how do you know because they kept trying to say but you haven't because we do know I'm like but how do you know you don't know like and this just went on for months and months and months like that and then it would start to develop into other things like what if I'd kidnapped a child or and then I would stop going out so I would start to put in the compulsions um, to kind of stop the worry that I might murder someone, I would refuse to go out the house. Um, and I did that for months and didn't leave the house. So if I did, I was holding on to my mum's jacket or holding on to her hand the whole time. So if I let go, I even would think, even in that split second of her turning her back, I could have murdered someone and then she would turn her back and I'd be back again. Like My logic side of your brain knows that that's not true. They fight with each other. It's like the OCD brain and the logic side of the brain and the OCD brain always wins cause... so it's it's hard At what point when you were sort of having these obsessive thoughts um, did you decide right now I've had enough I'm going to the doctor or I'm sort of how am I going to face this Years so about three to four years um, so from 2004 to 2008 basically I dealt with it by myself um, my Mum and Dad kind of wrongly, which they know now, kind of thought that I wouldn't get a job if I'd gone to the doctor. And they just thought with the subject matter, they just didn't, we didn't know it was OCD at that point either. So they just thought that the whole subject matter was just so wild, like that I couldn't possibly go to the doctor and say all these things. But eventually when I met my husband, I had realised what it was by that point and read a lot of books. And then I went to the doctor's. But I did read about 20 or 30 books once I kind of figured on to the fact that it probably was OCD. But by that point, my mum had spent... I was still out with my parents and she spent hours and hours a day. I'd roped her into the compulsions as well. So, like, once I'd stopped leaving the house, I knew I couldn't murder someone or kidnap a child. So it then became, what if I would threaten to murder someone or threatened to kidnap a child. So I worked in TV and film at the time, doing little bits. And I used to send out maybe 100 CVs a week, like literally just to every director and everything. And I would make her check the back and front of every page and under the flap of every envelope 
for me and then seal them up and then take them to the post box and post them so that I couldn't be near them when she checked them. Um, she used to have to sit behind me when I was on the computer. So if I would have to be on for maybe three hours a night or something, she would have to just sit there and stay at the screen the whole time. And if I caught her looking away, I would think, what if I threatened it in that second that she looked away somewhere? And then, like, it made no sense, but yeah, it did make sense. So were your parents kind of making you believe those things were more true or were they kind of bringing the logic in? No, I think they were in a very difficult position because yeah. if they didn't, help in the compulsions I would literally just rock back and forward and howl and scream and I'd keep asking them if I could phone the police station that was one of the things I wanted to do nearly every day was phone the police station to ask if there'd been any crimes so that I could then own up to them or so that it could settle my mind just for like an hour that there hadn't been any and then I could maybe get some sleep or something that night and so they were kind of they didn't at that point, they went. We weren't really sure. They weren't sure what it was. They were yeah. kind of just trying to keep me as calm and peaceful as possible. Did you ever own up to any crimes when no. you called the police? I never ever. I was never allowed to call the police. So I never got that's that good. far. <laughs> I was going to say because that could cause all think, kinds of yeah. I think fun. that's. I think to be honest, I think they would know exactly. I mean, I would just be assessed. I mean, I see a psychiatrist and psychologist now, so I think if that had happened at the time probably would have been better if it had happened to be yeah. honest with you because I think they would just have referred me to somebody exactly. and I would have maybe have got help. So I think they're so good at knowing the signs and knowing when someone you know clearly has not murdered anyone. Yeah so I think probably I, it would have been good if I had from the police because then we could have got it sorted years earlier than when we did. So when you finally did decide to get help what was that like? Did you go to your GP? I went to my GP but I lied so I said it was about worried about robbing a bank or stealing someone's purse something a bit more palatable than um, murder or child kidnap and to me it was the same kind of idea so I could get the OCD point across and everything that I was experiencing but just change the crime a little bit to sound less scary and it was actually only last month I actually owned up to the it being murder and like child kidnapping things and and that was that's after you know years of psychiatry and stuff and I only owned it last month because I finally had had enough like why were you scared to reveal that part did you think people I would think assume... it was just because of the nature of the yeah. because I think OCD picks and the things you're scared of them the, the most and they were just so scary crimes to me that I just felt that I couldn't say it out loud but when I did my psychiatrist and psychologist were like that's you know such a common yeah. thing in OCD that if you just said ages ago we could really have started to like treat it but I mean I've not that's kind of stopped I kind of stopped that myself through doing like CBT on myself from books um, a couple of years after it started so then it just kind of moved on moved on to other things I'm quite interested that you said um, you kind of had an idea that, that something maybe wasn't quite right when you were eight. Because um, I think quite a lot of people experience mental health issues in their childhood, but it doesn't necessarily get talked about. Um, so what specifically did you mean by that? When I started um, psychology and found a psychologist that I liked, she started to go really far back to try to discuss things and I remember there's always something that I remember that I thought was really weird as a child but didn't know what it was I used to have to um, 
if I'd read books in bed at night, I'd worry that I hadn't read the last sentence of a page correctly, like with the commas in the right place and the breath in the right place. And I used to worry that if I hadn't read it exactly as it was supposed to be written, my nan and grandpa would die. So I would flick the page 40, 50 times and just read the sentence over and over and over until I'd made sure that I'd got the breath exactly where the author wanted it and like whatever. But to me at the time, it was just something that I did and I never told anyone about it. I just used to sit in bed and worry about it and do it and then that would be it done. Mm. So you remember in hindsight things that at the time we had no concepts of mental health problems whatsoever, never mind OCD. Yeah. And that was when you were eight, but presumably, um, did you sort of grow out of that or did it develop yeah, into other things? Yeah, I think that one kind of grew out of itself, um, but then there's kind of more examples as you look back, things that you wouldn't think were OCD. My psychologist is like, that's really clearly OCD. Um, like when I left school, um, I basically was so scared of leaving and loved the place so much that I took um, photographs of every corridor from every angle and made like a photographic map and things so it's a different variation of OCD but it's still kind of the same thing it's all, mine's always always been about losing someone or something or being taken away from someone or something so if I'd committed a crime I would be arrested and taken away from my mum and put in jail or my nanny and grandpa would die or my mum would die and the most recent one was that my dog would die she has died now um, so now I'm really starting more aggressive treatment to stop it from moving on to because at the moment I mean I couldn't pick out a specific OCD yeah. that, I, that I have because it's so well controlled medication that that it's not really there so we're just trying to work on what the kind of underlying reasons for it are mm. and things to kind of stop it resurfacing again. Are there certain triggers that set it off? Apparently so that it's kind of equal to do with personality you're mm. just born with at that end of the spectrum in terms yeah. of worrying with things and upbringing and childhood as well and um, just certain belief systems can be put on you like involuntarily I suppose. So you mentioned that you've got you got your um, parents involved in your sort of checking and OCD at one point. Um, do you feel at any point you got your partner involved in that? I think um, no. I think once after a couple of months of meeting my husband, it came it more started to involve him as kind of the OCD problem, the obsession rather. So there wasn't really anything he could do to help. I started to worry that any time I went outside um, I wouldn't be allowed back in again um, so he would change the locks and chuck me out um, and I wouldn't be allowed back in so basically I stopped going out or I would, at that point I was still doing little like like days, like sort of promotional work and things like that and TV stuff and I'd like walk off jobs halfway through the day because I couldn't bear to wait till five o'clock to know whether I was getting back in or not. I had to know now whether I was getting back in or not. So I would just disappear and walk off and things like that. So he, I think, was just a bit as bewildered as, as me. But he um, has had depression and things in the past as well. So he's a lot more mental health aware than, than some people are, which is good. So was he the one that kind of said, wait, there's something going on here. You need to go to the GP. No, I, I'd done it just... Um, I'd done it before that, okay. more or less, just when I'd started to meet him. I'd done it before I'd told him about yeah. it. Um, I think I'd just reached a 
point where it's breaking point where it's yeah too much. I think where I'd, I'd managed to get myself past the murder and the child kidnap thing so I thought if I've got myself past that maybe I can go for help now and then stop it going back there or getting worse yeah moment of hope when the murder and kidnap yeah. is out of the way <laughs> How does your is it your husband or yeah, husband. how does your husband help you with symptoms now and mental health in general? Um, I think he just tries to he doesn't entertain any kind of compulsion things, and neither does my mum now. I think she's kind of learned what not to do, or, or yeah. I think she'll relent in the end, but she'll point out that that she shouldn't be doing this or this isn't helping me now that we know what it is. You run a successful beauty blog. Um, how have you found beauty affecting your mental health? Do you find it quite therapeutic? Because I know it might seem like an odd question to ask, but for me, like doing makeup is actually quite therapeutic because it sort of focuses my I'm mind so just on one thing. Yeah, I do find doing makeup really therapeutic and I find watching like YouTube makeup yeah. tutorials so therapeutic. I think like their I voices just, are so soothing yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, I could just sit and watch people put the makeup on and chat all day. And I love to, I love the whole process, even the Boring Steps Foundation and things. It doesn't even have to be anything fancy. I know that it's generally quite a good reflection on my own mood, like whether I've done it or not. Like when I'm going through like a sort of an up mood sort of scale, I'll be wearing sort of makeup generally. And then when I've been quite low, like no makeup, basically all black just you know it's fairly obvious being that I run my own beauty blog from home and that's kind of my full-time job more or less I think with me I just wouldn't go just don't go out if my mood's really really low mm. um I basically just would just sit at home I think there's something to be said for maybe like you said like if I was in a low mood then putting makeup on to see if that oh, yeah. actually helps it sounds ridiculous but genuinely when I'm in my lowest points I always still put on eyeliner. Mm. I cannot feel like focused or motivated or anything without my eyeliner on. I don't think I'd recognise you without your eyeliner. I look very different. But also, I just feel very different. Like, mm. it's just something that I think, number one, it's the routine where it's like you wake up and you just have like, what, 10, 15 minutes to yourself where you, no one's distracting to you, no one's talking to you, you don't have anything else to do apart from focus on how you look. And then also, it's just the fact that it's like, this is my face, I know it. This is what I like to look like. It's mm. quite, I don't know, I'm very pro makeup and beauty. It's quite empowering. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's empowering. Yeah. And I think when you do have mental health issues, it's really quite a powerful thing to be able to say, I can take how I look into control, even if I can't maybe take care of the rest of my brain. Yeah. Mm. I wonder if there's been any study to, into that as well, because I know they sort of do things like kind of give people sort of hairdos and stuff and sort of beauty stuff for physical things to kind of, I don't know, help. But I wonder if they've ever done anything like that in um, mental health institutes. I know they've done it in... Um, Units, rather. Stuff like care homes. Because yeah. a lot of times when people have isolation, mm. the act of getting someone else in to kind of talk about beauty and teach you how to do things is really... You know, it's incredible. It's a real bonding experience. Well, they always say about people in hospital um, just when they get their hair done. Yeah. Like, it's such... It's You huge. know, an amazing thing for them just to sit in bed and have like a new hairstyle or yeah. a, like a blow dryer or something like that it really helps them do you think your interest in beauty and your choice to go into it full time is related to your mental health at all your mental health journey I think my choice to not have a job yeah um, is definitely related to my mental health issues I don't think there's any way that I could ever hold down a nine 
to five job. I just don't think I'm. Why is that? Um, I think because there are days where I just get really anxious, and I just think that to stop me being anxious and to be less anxious, I do just need to be able to say, look, today I'm just, I'm just not, not doing yeah. anything. I'm just putting up my phone and not doing anything. But I think if you, you'd only get away with that for so long if you. I think like, yeah, some workplaces are so understanding now, but they're still, it's rare to find one like that. Mm, which that is level really of flexibility. Exactly. So I think, yeah, it's kind of brilliant that the internet is around and you can actually have a career yeah. from home and working mm. your own hours and being more flexible for yourself. Yeah. It's brilliant. Well, Zoella's got anxiety, hasn't she? I wonder yeah. if she'd have... Yeah. I suppose then she can sort of manage her work around that in a way. Exactly. And I think especially when you have any kind of fears of going outside be able to do your work from home you know in your the safety of your own room is really you know it's amazing that we can do that because I think you know a few decades ago that wouldn't have been possible at all and I think having some any kind of anxiety disorder makes or it makes me a lot more sensitive so I yeah. think just general workplace politics and I just don't think I'd be able to handle it at all I think I'd just end up crying most of the day every day I think you'd be surprised at how understanding people are Maybe. Especially recently, honestly. Yeah, I suppose I haven't actually ever had a... Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not saying went, you should force yourself no, at all. Because um, I went from working in TV and film. Yeah. Well, I suppose it was 9 to 5, but it was short bursts of it and like film shoots and things to working from home. But I definitely don't think that I could do anything. Yeah. It'd be great if workplaces now. were more open about, you know, we want to employ people who have mental health issues and this is how we'd be flexible and how we can do that. Cause I think that'd be really powerful because a lot of people, you know, maybe don't have the skills to do a makeup vlog or any of the at home stuff and they need an office job but they feel like they can't access it. Just really, yeah. Mm. Or, I mean, it doesn't have to be your classic sort of in office nine to five mm. job, does it? Because I know, I mean, I've got friends who um, don't have mental health issues but they just they, they've said to me, Oh, I just couldn't do a, a nine to five office job, that's just not them at all. So they kind of work in the countryside or they you know they um one of them sort of works in um theater and music and stuff so to me like the hours for that are sort of all over the place but they'd much rather do that than be in an office all day like with the office politics mm. whereas i'm the complete opposite because i know that when i go home that's in my depression and anxiety and obsessive you thoughts need the structure i need the, the structure kind of, yeah i need someone else saying okay sit here be on a computer for eight hours so that i'm not at home just like sobbing and googling horrible things just you know great together person basically i think i'm just a really firm believer in people just doing what makes them feel better i mean yeah. i i've just decided decided years ago that i would just do what i needed to do to make me feel better and if that was working from home long may the blog continue but if it doesn't then I'd have to find something else to do to work from home because I just think that's the thing that's best suited mm. to the way my mind works so if you're so comfortable working at home and being at home uh, how have you found coming out today to chat to us at the moment I wouldn't say I have a specific obsession so it's more or less just keep everything's just sitting nicely and under control and also because even through even the worst part well not the worst parts but recent years of OCD I've still been out to beauty events and things like that I've just had to accept that sometimes I might decide that I can't go at the last minute because I'm too anxious but if I can go then I'll go and I'll be fine and you wouldn't have known that there was anything wrong with me so I just kind of listened to myself 
And if I usually am starting to get too anxious the night before, then I can usually tell that it's, I should probably drop out of it. But at the moment, I'm pretty well, I'd say, which is quite good. Are you dealing with OCD with, so it's medication and CBT? Yeah. Okay, brilliant. And how are you finding that? Is it helpful? I'm just starting kind of the CBT with the psychologist now. Yeah. So, um, But I think just the whole, the completely opening up and telling absolutely everything's just been really therapeutic so far. I mean, I actually, I don't want the sessions to end when she says time's up. So That's lovely. And you kept kind of quiet about OCD for a really long time if anyone else is listening and they're experiencing similar symptoms what would you say to them don't to speak up straight away um, I think it, it might be slight I mean I don't know because I'm not in that position I bet it could be slightly easier now and that there's more available on the internet there's more articles and things like Metro there wasn't so much of that in like 2005 2004 um, so I just research things um, and just speak up straight away even if you can't speak to people around you then just go to a doctor if you've got a good doctor he'll refer you on well we are really very angry about this shit yes we are really very angry about this shit so something that I'm pretty angry about this week is the idea that somehow if you're a young person or a teenager sorry I hate the word young person but you know what I mean um if you have a mental health issue, that it's somehow just part of being a teenager. So there was some research that came out recently about the numbers of young people who are suffering from depression, which is actually quite high and quite worrying. And maybe an element of that is that people are talking more about mental health, which is fantastic. Um, But a lot of the comments that I was seeing on this particular story about more young people suffering from depression was, oh, that's just called being a teenager or... I was a bit moody when I was a teenager. And the thing is, like, I take this quite personally, maybe more personally than some people would do. But um, because I started suffering from depression when I was 14, I mean, that was... Yes, I was 14. Yes, I was a young person, whatever. And, yes, there were kind of mood swings, like any sort of normal teenage experience. But at the same time, that was still very much depression. That was a genuine experience. You know, I mean, it... I was really quite angry and frustrated and disappointed when I read all these comments from adults. And it is primarily adults, because obviously the teenagers themselves, they take it more seriously. But just sort of saying, oh, no, no, that's just being a teenager. That's just your age. So it's somehow not as important or you'll grow out of it. Or, I mean, God, I hope, you know, obviously I hope they do grow out of it. But, you know, that's not the point at all, because as I said, from having that same experience, being 14 and being depressed. And just I just remember it was just like the most terrific time of my life, kind of shutting myself into the loose and just sobbing and just like being depressed is awful at any age, but especially when you're young and it's just happening to you. I could go on about this all day. I was happy to let you go on about it, honestly. I think it's I think people don't realise how much being dismissive of young people can actually affect treatment and how they get on later on in life. Because for me, kind of a similar experience. Like, in my teens, I was definitely experiencing anxiety and depression. But because I'd been told so many times that's just a teenage thing, Mm. even to myself, I was like, oh, it's normal to, like, want to kill yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just a teenage... And, like, I was going through my emo period as well. Mm. So I just kind of 
put off saying anything, put off asking for help for a really long time because I just assumed it was a normal thing or mm. that, it, you know, people wouldn't take me seriously. So I think people need to understand that even those dismissive comments or just saying, oh, it's just a phase or when I was a, you know, when I was a youth, a mm. cool youth and I did the same thing, you're preventing people from getting help. Yeah, and whatever age you are, it's still a health issue, isn't it? I mean, you wouldn't sort of say, oh, well, they've broken the leg, oh, they're 14. So it's just like, oh, it doesn't matter somehow as much. It's ridiculous. Stupid crap, my brain has told me that's for I am. Oh, stupid, 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 stupid. So there's this cat called Bernie. Oh, I like it already. It's a great story. Bernie um, does not belong to my partner, but he lives on the same street as him. And he's a very friendly cat and he will come into the house and literally like you can spoon him in bed. Oh. It's adorable. Does I he love- have a cat moustache? He's just all black. Okay. He's very elegant. He looks like a little panther. He's Aww. a beautiful cat. I've become extremely attached to him in the space of a few months. Mm. Um, but recently he hadn't shown up for a few days now this is completely normal because obviously I'm not at my partner's house every night mm-hmm. and also the cat has its own home mm-hmm. where it should be every night mm-hmm. I think I still feel a bit weird about the fact that we kidnapped this cat and we'll let it sleep in our house until the early hours of the morning mm-hmm. but anyway it hadn't been for a few days um, and I was just sitting in bed I had this horrible sudden thought that the cat was actually dead Oh no! And I was just like, what if it has been hit by a car and it's just dead and we will never know and because it's not our cat, no one will ever think to tell us that. And I kind of said that to my partner because we were in bed missing Bernie at the time and he obviously says, you know, that's not the case. He's probably at home where he belongs. Mm. Um, it's ridiculous to think that but I just couldn't stop that thought and then suddenly it transformed from what if Bernie's dead to wait, what if my parents are dead? And no one's mentioned that yet. Or what if my friends are dead? Or what if all these other people are just dead right now? And it was a really just, you know, I know we shouldn't use the word insane or mad, but like it was just an insane thought spiral Mm. that I couldn't control and had just literally started from a cat not showing up for a few days. Mm. Um, I was just sobbing in bed, absolutely freaking out. Nothing that my partner was saying could convince me otherwise. I was absolutely sure like, these people have all died. This cat has died. I will never see any of these people again. So this is a classic obsessive thought, which yes. I've learned a lot more about since doing this show. Yes. Um, have you been given any tips about how to manage them? Or like, is there anything you, you're thinking now, now that you're talking about it? Is well, there any way that you think you could kind of so I think, face them next time? I think with these kind of situations, they're really pushing me to actually get therapy. Because I finished my CBT a few months ago now Mm. and that was only I think eight sessions and in those sessions I was told quite explicitly that my therapist could only really deal with anxiety and depression she wasn't really there to deal with obsessive thoughts Mm -hmm. so I've never really learned any coping strategies for what happens when I'm in that spiral Mm -hmm. which I'm you know you can kind of see well it hasn't happened for a while so it's fine but I think when they actually come up it's like no I definitely do need help with this Mm. I can't keep you know sobbing in bed I can't keep assuming that people are dead like that's not an acceptable thing for me to be dealing with um but also I realized that it is talking to other people and allowing them to comfort you because obviously for me I felt very embarrassed and uncomfortable sobbing in front of someone else and explaining like I can't explain it. I just think everyone's dead and it was uncomfortable mm. 
but it did help to have someone there explaining those things to me that they weren't true and that everything was going to be okay and literally just repeating to me over and over again like you're safe everything is fine Mm. was hugely powerful and also I think just accepting that these spirals although they feel like they'll go on forever they will eventually pass even if it is literally just crying myself into a state of exhaustion the next morning was fine I wasn't thinking those things the day after that Bernie came round and I saw Bernie again and it was fine and no one was dead and I can look back and kind of think well that was ridiculous but at the time it feels really real so I think it is I don't think I have like a perspective on it now where it's like oh I know how to deal with that it's fine but I think what I have learned from that experience is I need to go to therapy and I need Mm. to take this seriously because it's not it's not something that I should just accept as part of life like Mm. having thoughts about everyone's dead this cat is dead is not something that I just have to put up with Mm. so I think that's an important realization and I'm really glad that you've actually talked about this um on the show just because I don't know I think I I worry sometimes that maybe people kind of think that because we're talking about mental health and stuff you know we're we're sort of done with it like we're, we're fixed or something whereas everyone's a work in progress aren't they exactly so yeah go back to therapy find someone nice exactly and also I think I worry sometimes that we put you know positive spin on the end of things which is really good and necessary but you know even when someone's being really positive and like advocating for mental health I'm still having really bad days and nights sometimes and that's okay it just means that you know maybe I need to step up my own self-care maybe I need to get different help and better help in my case I definitely need to be going to therapy and it's giving me the push to to do that and that's okay I think I just don't want us to create the illusion that you know we're doing great like we had problems before but now we're fine because mm. that's not the case so this is goodbye from mentally yours so go away enjoy your day get on with all your chores from mentally 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 yours mentally yours mentally yours, mentally yours. So, if you didn't know yet, we have a new Facebook group called Mentally Yours on Facebook. Yeah. And it's basically where we're chatting about all things mental health. It's where you can get advice, share your issues, whatever you want. There are no rules. Um, And this week, we've got quite a good question from someone named Pete, who was asking about how to combat insomnia. Yeah. Which I think is quite a common struggle. And it was really nice, actually, because we had other members of the group popping in and giving their advice. Yeah, some really good advice, like really detailed advice. Um, have you ever suffered from insomnia? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, definitely in my teens, I really struggled to drift off. Um, and I would constantly wake up in the middle of the night. Um, also used to have night terrors and panic attacks, which are always, you know, fun. But now I'm actually a decent sleeper. And I think a lot of that is to do with kind of all the techniques that everyone tells you like set a bedtime and don't have technology in the room and Mm. you know don't do loads of activities in your bed apart from sex and sleeping yeah don't work from your bed don't work from bed which I do all the time which is a terrible habit but read before bed rather than yeah watch tv or anything like that it's meant to be good isn't it and um cutting out caffeine too early in the evening yeah the advice here is good they have like the classic stuff but also like have a cool bedroom which I didn't really know oh, I didn't know was that. a thing I know that you, if you shower before bed it's going to be good because you are 
raising your body temperature and then cooling down, which is yes. what naturally happens when you sleep. I've heard the same thing about baths. Yeah. That's, and that's just really nice, sort of relaxing thing to do before bed, isn't it? Bath. Someone else also recommended trying um, Sudoku puzzles and crosswords, mm-hmm. which were really in, on trend a while back and I think should make a comeback. So great. One of the key things which I think is in the comments there, um, which I've always thought would really ring true, is if you actually can't sleep for whatever reason, I think it's sort of nighttime is just a resting time. Yeah. So if you just can't sleep, that's fine. Rather than sort of lie there and kind of get angry at yourself and go, oh, God, I, God, I can't sleep. This is really annoying. I can't sleep. Just think, well, I've got all these hours to have, just have a rest. So yeah. whether you then choose to use that rest time to read or... Yeah, do something else, re- relaxing, maybe have a late bath or or even potentially sort of, I don't know if getting up and go for, going for what would be a well, good idea, but... Actually, so like one of the most useful things I found with sleeping is I read ages ago, if you can't sleep for like 20 minutes, mm. get up, do something else, stop trying because mm. you're never going to be able to drift off if you're trying to force sleep, get out of bed and go and do something and then eventually I know I'm going to feel tired soon. So yeah, I think walking or anything is fine, like don't try to force it because you will end up just lying awake for three hours being Mm. miserable when you could just get up go do something else and then come back to it so ellen you've also posted in the mentally yours facebook group um about starting therapy and the kind of questions that you should be asking for your first session um are you particularly worried about it or did you just want to get some general ideas really i think a mix of both i think a lot of times with that specific question, because I wanted to know what should I prepare, how do I suss out if this person is right for me, I googled it, but there's not that much kind of personal information. Like there's very kind of not scientific, but like strict guidelines of like, oh, you don't need to do this. So I wanted to talk to people that actually maybe have been through similar stuff and can understand that, you know, it's difficult to work out if you're connecting with someone or not mm. um, so I was, I was honestly kind of secretly hoping for a little checklist of like do they meet these signs which I didn't get but the comments oh. that I did get were great um, I think it's like we were talking about before though it's just like dating like cause, that's what someone said yeah because yeah. with the therapist I see I mean you sort of I wouldn't say it sort of actually no it was fairly instant I think I just kind of thought oh yeah she seems nice yeah and the other people I sort of talked to in the past I, yeah, I must just be quite judgmental because I'll sort of instantly sort of go in with them and just say, no, I'm not happy talking to you. I think that's fine. Or, I think this is one area where you're allowed to be judgmental. Yeah, certainly when I was younger as well, I remember kind of feeling like if someone, if I felt that someone wasn't particularly well qualified or if they were sort of, I don't know, a bit young or just yeah. generally I just didn't feel like they were well, on my wavelength, then I didn't really want to open up to them. When I was looking through them online, you get to see everyone's pictures and yeah. their name. And I 100% was being impacted by the pictures mm. and how, like, oh, they look friendly. Or, like, that's a young woman who will relate to my, like, cool problems. Yeah, and um, it was this, the decision as well to sort of to speak to a woman rather than a man. If that's what you decided to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think it's what it's like just meeting anyone, anyone really. You just... That is... You'll know if you sort of yeah, get on with them. I and if you don't get on with them, then you'll also know and... Also, because you're paying for it, you can decide not to go back to them. I think the fact that no one did kind of actually say this is a checklist of guidelines they should meet was really helpful because I just got a comment saying that, you know, they should lead the conversation. Mm. Like, it's really not up to me to kind of entertain the therapist and make sure I'm coming across well. 
you know, yeah. they can come across it or I might just not like them. Well, and also in terms of sort of things to bring in, I mean, especially on a first session. Yeah. I think you'll be surprised the kind of things you end up talking about. It might not necessarily be the sort of the bigger picture, but it'll, yeah. it will yeah. like a specific thing. But yeah, I think everyone kind of agreed. It's like a first date. Go with zero expectation to just relax and see how it goes, which is hopefully what happened we're supposed to have a phone call before the first session actually so mm. might be doing that tomorrow okay which cool. will be interesting if you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today or you're struggling with any mental health issues in general please contact the samaritans at 116-123 or go to their website at samaritans.org if you enjoyed our show today please subscribe give us a review and rate us and also you can follow us on twitter at mentally yours which is mentally yrs thanks very much to our producer sam bonham and to lucy baker who does our brilliant jingles hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.